Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, The Wire Remixed, Season 1, Episode 11, The Hunt. As always, I'm joined by one Robert Sapp. How are you doing this afternoon? Doing well, doing well. This episode was directed by Steve Schill. Uh, it ranked 17th all-time in terms of Vultures, Wire, Episodes, Ranking, um, and of course, you had the epigraph of dope on the damn table by one, of course, Lieutenant Cedric Daniels. Um, a episode where you have a lot of moving pieces. You had a, the, the remnants, the fallout from the Kima shooting. And you had people questioning whether or not all this was worth, uh, this case was worth it. Um, to begin with the opening scene, um, they're canvassing, they're canvassing the uh, crime scene with a bunch of cops uh, from different various organizations. You got the D, the FBI's there, the DEA was there. Of course, you got the detail. Then you got the cop from the, um, excuse me, from the uh, western, uh, from the eastern and western districts. So a bunch of people are there. Land, a bunch of people are there. Um, they find out that the gun slipped under uh, Kima's seat, too, so that's why she couldn't get back to it. Um, you have a land, you have Landsman realize you have Landsman ask uh, Rawls to kind of for his assistance. Rawls tells everybody basically to just to stop, so they so the right police could do the right work. Because how many moving pieces there were, just to make it easier to investigate. So that was kind of the open up the scene that, that, that opened up the uh, <clears throat> excuse me that opened up the episode, and then you of course you would have you would have Landsman and Bunk figure out that uh, realize that there were multiple shooters and also realize that somebody that those shooters and that we and we all know that they were turned we will find out they would uh, come to find out that there would be it would be Wee Bay and Little Man we found out that they were picked up. Um, that they were picked up through their investigation. Uh, they found some boot prints, some fresh boot prints, and they found out they were picked up. So a lot of moving pieces in this particular opening scene, and in terms of the um, in terms of the investigation, the fallout of Kimin getting shot. What were your thoughts on this uh, opening uh, scene? Yeah, um, like I said, a lot, a lot of the parts that are that are going on within the scene. I think like when I was watching it, thing I appreciated the most this time around was just kind of like how it was shot and then like, and how that transferred to like how chaotic it was. Um, I remember the first time seeing this and then I remember, you know, subsequent times after um, and just uh, how chaotic it always seemed. Um, just as like just a just a viewer like inhaling it and not knowing like all the different ways the pieces and so like watching it this time I was like just kind of like really paying attention to like what they were doing um, and uh, yeah I mean like that that just the intentionality of it is is kind of what I'm getting at is it is chaotic and it feels chaotic because they shot it that way they directed it that way it's awesome um, so. That's the thing that just kind of like really imprinted on me this time that was different than any other time. Rawls also realizes that uh, 
during that scene that the um, signposts were shifted, was uh, thrown off, that the hoppers or the, the, the barbershop people threw off the signposts, that, and that's, well, that's, one, that's the number one reason, but one of the main major reasons why they could not um, catch up with Kima in time, that threw off the direction in terms of uh, that signpost. So he switches that signpost. Uh, he realizes that the signpost was switched in the wrong direction to throw the cops off. So you had that going on. You had that going on as well. Um, you Weebay and Little Man uh, take a call from uh, confirm the stringer that the, uh, the, that the job is done. Um, Weebay says this Little Man, you know, always some shit. The first no, little man says to Weebay, I wonder who I wonder who Kima was, wonder who she was. He says, nah, nah. he says, I wonder who that bitch was. And then little man, then Weebay says, always some shit. Uh, as they're taking the cars, they're confirming the stringer um that the job is done. Um this and this call, of course, would be over would be detected by uh the detail in the wire um later on and uh, uh, later on. So before we get to the hospital, anything that you thought, anything, any thoughts about that, that quick scene? No, I mean, like, like the scene is to set up what Freeman will figure out later, later on in the, in the episode. So you got, you got that piece right there. I wanted to go half a second back um, uh, to Rawls looking to finding the street signs that now we know that that was said on the wire or they were talking about that in the car, but they don't know it as of, of, of that time. And so um, just, a, just, a, just a example of show tell. Like they, they, they told, showed us in the last one because they're having a conversation about it. Um, but, uh, but this time it's super effective um, because Rawls just kind of gets up, they sh the way they, they shoot it, just kind of looks, turns the signs over, doesn't say anything about it at all, like no words are used. Um, so anyways, just just an uh, a example of show not tell that I appreciate it. So you go to the uh, hospital, um, Rawls uh, consoles McNulty. Uh, McNulty, of course, is in complete shock even going back to the crime scene when Rawls um, speaking to him, talking to him, sitting down at the crime scene when Minoti was sitting down. Um, he was sitting down, had blood, Kima's blood on him. He, they get to, when they get to the hospital, uh, you know, he consoles Minoti and basically says, there's no way that you're responsible for getting the cop shot. Minoti is in pure just guilt and pity poet pity party mode uh feeling like he's responsible for getting Kima shot and possibly killed because at this point no one knows and even through, even at the end of the episode we don't know whether or not Kima um they didn't or not Kima was going to make it she's um basically in critical con critical condition she took two shots they both went through and through um so they don't know where she's gonna live or die at this point. Stringer, I mean, not Stringer. McNulty feels guilty. They play, and by the way, and this was some, this was uh, some cold shit. <laughs> they played a tape 
the actual tape that that had it uh, going through. They played the actual tape that heard that heard the shooting when you heard it, you hear the gunshots, and you before you know it's leading up to everything that's going to happen. Kima's giving directions on where she where they were trying to lead the cops, trying to give signals to the cops on where she's at. So they play that tape. Um, and then that's when, of course, McNulty throws up in the trash can once he is once they uh, play once he he hears the gunshots from the tape that's played in the hospital, and then you have Ross, of course, come over, and basically say you're not responsible for this, I and you know you're a gaping asshole. We both know this, but I'm not gonna sit up here and let you believe that you had a were responsible for getting a police shot. He says she took two from the company. That's how we're gonna look back. She took two for the company, and that's how this is. You know, we're gonna look back at this basically to paraphrase, to paraphrase what he said. Um, and he helps McNulty up. Um, what were your thoughts on that exchange? And that you know that that part of the it was multiple hospital scenes, but that part that part first part of the hospital scene. Yeah. Um, this. I mean. So I've been thinking how I want to structure my thoughts on this one. But then as you were talking about it, um, a lot, just a, there, there's a lot that's going on there and it's all intertwined throughout the episode. Um, but there's a lot that's going on in, the, in this scene. Um, so I can't wait to talk about it until other stuff happens either. Uh, so I guess I guess I'll kind of like start my running commentary um, of what I where I think they wanted to end up in this this episode with this. So unpacking this scene, I would say number one thought that came to my mind when I first started when I was watching this today was just like um, consequences and realism. Um, I, I think the, especially at this, this point in time in the wire um, in television, in, in this in, uh, television at this point in time, 2003, I believe this was. Um, and so, uh, so consequences wasn't a big thing. That wasn't a big thing shows focused, focused in on. And so taking the time to do an entire episode about the consequences of actions was was big and i think like that that's a that's a that's a through line they'll have through this entire episode and then i think the realism um is messy it's not clean it's not tied up in a in a bow and so i think the the best way to interact with what I mean by that realism is McNulty and um, Rawls and their conversation in terms of um, there are a lot of emotions that, of course, go go into the situation. And here we have two very stated rivals in the show, very stated rivals in the show, opposites, um, who in this moment of tragedy to them, um, are able to communicate in ways that's not possible outside of this circumstance. And I think that's the bit of realism 
that they'll keep coming back to and probably like the through line, through line I'll keep coming back to is this circumstance is so unique that it causes actions that you don't necessarily attribute to certain people or ramifications that aren't necessarily uh, in line with what everybody has done thus far, but it's okay because they play this entire episode and play this entire scene so realistic. There's no, I'm not no, but there, there's there, there's not the normal for this, especially for this day and time that this was written in the normal hyperbole around a big big incident like this. Yeah, you also had <clears throat> during this scene, uh, the hospital scene, right before they played the tape, the commissioner had no idea who Cedric Daniels was. He goes to shake Norris's hand. Um, and then Norris is basically says, this is Cedric Daniels. So you had that going on, um, which, you know, gave you some insight to the powers that be. It, there's, there's, there's a lot of uh, institutional racism examples in this episode. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that was, that no, was, was <laughs> one right there. Yeah, that, yeah, and that, I say that because, like, again, this is 2003, and they were, they were, knee deep in it the wire was yeah um, oh 2002 sorry oh wait 2001 see oh, two, I, two. I i got on a, a anyway i've been watching different <laughs> different seasons um so yeah, yeah 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 this is the first one um 2003 is season three i think or two anyways keep going yeah so yeah, you had that as an example. And like you said, there were a number of examples uh, later on in this episode, um, to say the least, of that. Um, and, and by that commissioner, by the way. <laughs> um, Freeman and Prez are going over the, the cost of Stringer, still trying to determine, uh, still trying to determine who made that call uh who made that call to who made those calls to stringer at this point at this point they're not able to confirm that but you know of course later on in the episode they will you know we will go over that that they would confirm who was who are making those calls to um to stringer which was a big reveal uh later on in the episode um you have webay and stringer so stringer already knows that Kima was a cop even before Weebay. This is at now. This was at the, the print shop, by the way. Stringer already knows. Stringer already knows that Kima was a cop before even Weebay starts talking. Weebay comes into the shop and immediately starts talking. Stringer shuts him down and then runs the copy machine and then then tells him to talk. And Weebay throw completely throws little man in the bus. He says. Um, Shit went good until, you know, shit went good. Like, you know, we had things were going as, as, as according to plan. And then, um, you know, we didn't, uh, I didn't know that, we didn't know that there was a girl in the car. I, he said, now, and this is where he throws little man on the bus. He says, if it was up to me, I would let the girl go. She didn't seem like the talking type, but little man popped off and took the shots and, and shot at her. 
Now, we all know, watching that scene from last episode, that they both came out shooting like the Wild Wild West. There was no hesitation. There was no, hold up, little man. Uh, who's this girl? No, that, that, that dialogue did not happen. So Weebae's lying and completely throwing, and, you know, rightfully so, he's going to throw, you know, between him and little man, he's going to throw him, you know, he's going to choose himself. I don't blame him. But we know, we know Weebae's story. That part of the story is bullshit. Um, so he tells, so, of course, Weebae having the relationship that he had with Stringer, he took advantage of that, too, because they both have, they have a close relationship. Stringer, of course, believes it and tells Weebae that, the, no, Shorty was, a, he said Shorty was a cop, she not dead. Weebae gives the uh, famous look, you know, where he puts his, uh, his covers his mouth, does one of these, that was, became a, a, a internet gift, gaffed for years to come, you know, puts covering his mouth in, in this complete shock that Kima was a cop. And he was like, you know, she wasn't a cop, she's one of Orlando's hoes. And even String, even Stringer asked him where are the guns at, he still can't believe it. Then Stringer, you know, had to be, you know, was more forceful saying, Bay, where the fuck are the guns? And uh, Weebay says, you know, we threw them in the storm drawer, storm drain, and storm drawer, wherever, drain, storm down to storm drain. And he, uh, Weebay gives Weebay orders to kill Little Man. Because uh, apparently, this is not the first time Little Man's fucked up and does some dumb shit. So he's, so he gives him the orders to kill him and then tells Stringer, he tells Weebay, look, you got to get out of Dodge. This shit's about to be, you know, this shit, this shit's hit the fan. About to fall back where your people's at, and then, he, and then he sends them off to you know says you know chooses uh, Philly DC he says Philly and DC, but we find out of course we know that he's going to Philadelphia. Uh, sends Weebay off with says hey low low profile no connects. We got uh, we have to uh, you know be careful about this moving forward. What were your thoughts? A lot a lot going on in this scene. Yeah, I you you pretty much kind of like broke down every every part of of the scene. Um yeah, I mean like again, like the the overarching theme in my head is consequences, right? Like I mean, it they messed up. It's that simple. You can you can go over the details. They can go over the details if they want to, but it doesn't matter. They messed up. A cop has been shot. It, it is, it is, uh, it's a wrap on everything that they were normally doing. Um, and so like, yeah, again, again, like it's, this is, this is good stuff because it shows the consequences, um, from both, both sides on a very, very unique action. Yeah. Going back to, uh, uh and we'll get to that because we, uh, we, we're going to elaborate on the Barksdale's fucking up on, on them fucking up. We will certainly get to that part later on in the uh episode but yeah to your point yeah a cop has been shot and they have to basically kind of have to you know re retreat and and, and kind of you know rethink their next moves rethink their next moves for the future um so you had that going on um they go back to the hospital the commissioner refuses to talk to uh kima's girlfriend Kima's girlfriend had been, whose name is Cheryl. She had uh, Prez, not Prez. Carver goes to her apartment and gets her, lets her know Kima's been shot. Um, they go to the hospital. She goes, comes to the hospital. And she, uh, the commissioner refuses to talk to her, sends Burrell to do it. 
and then of course you have Burrell. Uh, Burrell comes in and goes and talks to uh, Kima's girlfriend. And Burrell was even confused about the relationship with Kima and his girl. It's like with Kima and her girl. Um, they didn't. I mean, they didn't. They just said uh, Daniels just says you know a roommate as he's giving him inform information. Um, as he's giving Burrell the uh, information. So you had that going on um, in that part of the, uh, in that scene. Uh, really, you know, I, I, that kind of goes back to what we were talking about uh, with the commissioner. So not much, did you take anything away from that scene? That part, that, that scene? Yes. So um, there are two parts, two parts to this. <laughs> So we got to go back just a little half a step before a scene you didn't mention, but was very, very, uh, it, 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 I, I really enjoyed watching it. Um, and it was uh, when um, they find out that uh, Kima has, or, or who, com who comes back? Anyway, this oh, is when all the police No, I know you're talking about it. So Freeman, so okay, go back going back to the crime scene. Freeman comes comes back to uh Freeman comes to the crime scene. Right. They're yep. just sitting there, everybody's yeah, just yeah, basically yeah. sitting on their ass doing nothing. Yeah. Not everybody, but you have Herc Carl yeah. sitting on their ass doing nothing. They're talking. They're, they're talking like not doing anything. Not doing they're, nothing. They're, they're talking. talking. They're just talking. Yeah, they're they're talking. Sitting, they're sitting down. Well, it's after everybody's been removed, like nobody can yes. do anything crime scene wise. Yes. So it's like everybody's been backed off. So you have them sitting down talking uh, and Freeman comes in and basically kind of restores order and says, look, let's, let's go. Let's, we got we to gotta get back on this wire. We got to get back on these. Uh, we need somebody to get back on these rooftops. Herc says, fuck you. And, you know. Freeman's like, fuck me. Like, what do you, where do you want to be if, if you have uh, Barksdale talking shit because a cop got shot? Where do you want to be? And of course, Freeman is a thousand percent right. They go and um, you have Herc. Carver goes, Carver sends Herc, Herc there first because he needs somebody to. Uh, so this is why I want you to pause. Pause right there. Pause right there. Just because there's a lot that's going on in that and there's a there's a breakdown there's a breakdown of that right so it's like initially Freeman comes the group sense is fuck that not fuck Freeman like that Freeman's a bad guy but it's like fuck that Kima's been shot nobody wants to be playing on the wire and then Freeman to your point restores order because he says he he reingratiates the idea because he's the this can be an integral part of finding out who killed Kima um and so uh they they get really motivated at that point in time and Herc and Carver for the first time in the series kind of start their investigative minds going in terms of what where they like what what part here like like so so it's just that little like like they talk about which rooftop they're going up to that'll be the best to scout out. So their investigative minds start to go, and so they they start to go off. And why I wanted you to pause right there is Carver actually didn't send Herc anywhere. the The question that's asked is: Did any getting contact with 
freaking roll. I mean, they both kind of stop, but Carver stops and then, without words, gives the uh, kind of like, you like, I've done that, and then says, you know, I'll go, like, I'll go the way too, I'll go and do that. Now, the reason why I really enjoy watching this is because, um, you know, there, there, there are a couple things that you can really do once you've really explored like a series. It's like you can up on all the little breadcrumbs. Um, at least that's what I love to do when I go back and I'm really rewatching something. And so here, what I found is here is the first breadcrumb of the difference between Hurt Harbor. Like the significant difference between the two. Um, we'll find out something about Carver at the end of the, the series, uh, at the end of this episode, um, you know, the season. But even with that being said, this is a separator right here. Um, you know, her <laughs> continues on or whatever, but Carver doesn't even, it's not even a thing. Of course he's going to go to to her peoples and of course he's not going to call her he's going to go right there and wait for her as we as we'll as we'll see and we'll find out so i just found that was like a really important separator particularly with what we're going to find out about carver at the end of the series um his he his heart his heart is in a space than than her is and, and that part and then like I said, there's little breadcrumbs, but even breadcrumbs throughout this episode of of how much Herc and Carver have grown, even within this short amount of times, in terms of their police police skills. So that's why I wanted to jump back and zoom in on that one. Um, in terms of uh, they there, it's again the characters going back to the commissioner and the talking about girlfriend, everything like that. A, we can't skip over stuff like that, like at all. I'm in the space, everybody's in the space. I know, but we can't skip over stuff like that because it's important because they included it in the show. If they include it in the show, it's meaningful. And when they do it multiple times, it's uber meaningful. So the fact that they keep coming back at this offer and showing us his, um, offer, commissioner, and showing us his ignorance means something. And the characters are archetypes, meaning, McNulty's not McNulty. McNulty represents detectives with privilege in the Baltimore Police Department. Bunk represents old school detectives who are playing the game um, in order to continuously be continue high. Freeman represents old school detectives who are not playing the game. Um, so I say that to say that commissioner is not the commissioner. Doesn't matter. He's the institution. And what they're saying with the repeated at-bats at that commissioner is the institution is inherently racist and the institution's inherently homophobic, gay bashing, da-da-da, everything. It's resistant to change. Anything that looks different than the power-based structure, and they do a really nice camera shot at the end. So I'll save it to then, because they I noticed it very, very much this time, and it's very, very intentional. But they're saying something about the power structure and how stuck in the ways that the power structure is, even in this, even in this intense 
situation where a lot of people are playing different parts. The system that allows that to keep going remains. No question about it. And we certainly will get back to the, <clears throat> to that Carver Herc, uh, that Carver Herc scene uh, later on, later on in this, um, even, in, even in this episode, um, it's not completely revealed, but we find out something uh, about the about the detail uh, before this episode ends. Uh, so you have Freeman, Landsman, Bunk, Cole um, in the office. Freeman lets them know that uh, this little man who shot, uh, who's also the other, who was also one, was one of the shooters, but uh, one of the shooters, but uh, he picks up. Freeman, you know, does great police work in, in getting a slice can, and he, of course, he makes a connection, links that connection on on the wire as well. So Freeman gets that. Freeman uh, gets that piece of a bit of police work out. They um, and before he leaves out of there, he lets them know, you know, they ask him where he's from. He said pawn shop, kind of like throwing throwing a dig at, you know, throwing a little dig. Going back, basically back where he was, or once where he was before he ended up, ended up with the detail. Uh, again, you had Freeman, Landsman, uh, Bunk, and Cole. They're you know scrambling, and then he come. He basically comes up and figures out what what it took three or four dudes to uh, try to figure out uh, over the course of this particular scene. What were your thoughts on him um, and his casework? Freeman is. A it's a beast. I mean, like it's it's it is uh it again like if like like if we look at like the it's it's another um it's another big talking point for invest like being truly investigative. Um the show's making an argument. And um, they are putting the final touches on their argument in this episode. And in a scene like this, which shows that even in a crisis circumstance, um, if you just take half a beat and kind of think through the problem instead of just reacting emotionally to it, this is the argument I think they're essentially making. Um, instead of reacting emotionally to it, you can get pretty good results. Um, and so I think this, this, this seems a testament to that. Freeman is very much the voice of the show in, in, this, in this department in terms of thinking through scenarios and being investigative about it being the best course of action. So you have... Poop and Wallace on the phone. Um, Wallace let Poop. Wallace calls Poop. Lets him know that um, he doesn't like the area. Uh, that he's not built to be out, you know, in the country. That and you know we kind of saw this at the end of the last episode. If you notice in the scene with Daniels, and you hear start hearing crickets, and then Dan he says, you know, what's that? He says, and Daniel says crickets. So that that gave you some insight already even before this episode even before this episode even last episode that wallace was not long for the country um 
So you have uh, you had that with Poot and Wallace talking. Before that, you had Bodie and D'Angelo talking about talking about the shooting. The and Bodie was saying that you know who basically who who the fuck was uh, was Orlando and all this for him and no because and then you had you know basically D'Angelo saying you know some you know, things are going to start to change as far as, you know, some kind of, going to be some consequences to this. And Bodie saying, yeah, you know how your uncle get when, 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 uh, when motherfuckers start fucking up. Um, so they had that conversation before Pooh walks away and, and goes and talks to uh, Wallace. Yeah, uh, this, you know, it, it's, it, it pretty much is giving us the clock on Wallace. Um, it's setting that up, and then also it's going to set up the anxiety that uh, that D'Angelo feels um, later on. So Bubbles plays Bubbles pages uh, Kima, and then gets picked up by um, by Vernon Holly, uh, a, a guy, a cop that we have seen a couple times over the course of uh, of this season, but not that many. Um, he proceeds to ask uh, Bubbles, um, you know, you know what, you know, why did you make that call, or or ask Bubbles about that call, and then without basically just jumps, basically just jumps on top of Bubbles. Mind you, you know, we saw how big Vernon, how big Holly is, how big Vernon is compared to Bubbles, and he. Uh, yeah, and he's beat up on bubbles before Landsman comes in and, and, and breaks that up uh, and, and restrains, uh, gets Holly, takes Holly off, burning off uh, off bubbles. And then, and then you have bubbles you know, calling for McNulty and Kima and calling for Kima and calling for McNulty. Uh, yeah, bubbles just <laughs> cannot catch a break, uh, even when he's trying to go clean. Uh, what are your thoughts on this scene? Yeah. <laughs> So this this is one of those ones where there's there's a lot going on in, in this scene. Um and so uh this is when I when I connected back with the idea that um the show's building building upon its argument, right? Like in the argument um presented with Lester is if you take a step back and you investigate. Um, you're able to yield uh, resu better results. And so this will be exhibit A in, in this episode on that. There's another one coming. I can't remember if there's a third one, but definitely this is exhibit A and there'll be exhibit B coming soon. Um, exhibit A is um, instead of asking questions, like for real questions, the officer just is enraged. He's, you know, everybody's emotionally upset about Kima and wants to get answers quick. And so the, the, you know, they're paying attention. He's paying attention to their buzzer, pick up, buzz, instead of asking questions, just be some buzz. So you got, you got, that's, that's point, that's point, that's exhibit A for the argument. And then there also in there is the whole institutional part of it, right? Like, um, it's a black cop beating up on a black, uh, uh, suspect, quote unquote. Um, and so, uh, that, that, yeah, and on the face, it is, you know, it, it's not 
presented in the same way as other episodes will be um, uh, incidents that happen in the series will be presented. But um, again, like I said, like uh, you could tell by as many at bats as they took at the commissioner that what they're really talking about is the the system, the systemic problems within it, um, racism and 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 how how the police treat. Uh, treat that community being a big one um and so in this instance you not only have uh the overreaction that is not investigative but you also have the overreaction that actually is harming a valuable resource for for the police department and shows just kind of like how how institutional and wrong-headed a lot of the thinking is and how it can lead to not the best results. Yeah, he has no idea who Bubbles is, doesn't know that he's work, working with the detail. So he's just, this is, you know, it is, it's what he's doing, obviously, is it's wrong, but it's just not, it's also a deterrent to the case, to the actual case that the detail is trying to um, bring on the Boxdales and, and even trying to find out who shot Kima. So this is like, He's, He's reacting emotionally. Yes, with no, yeah, with nothing, with no investigation, with no nothing. It's just all, it's all 100% emotion, um, what have you. It's nothing getting out, he's getting nothing out of this because Bubbles, you know, <laughs> Bubbles doesn't, of course, doesn't know anything about Kima. Bubbles at this point didn't even know Kima was shot. Um, so, to, uh, in, in terms of that scene. Um, yeah, Bodie gets a stash from the payphone. So the Barksdales again have switched it up. Um, at first, Bodie poses as if, he, as, if he, as if he's about to take a call from the payphone. Instead, he waits for the stash to come down out of the window, fifth or sixth floor window in the, in the towers. You see uh, Herc and Santangelo get the pictures and, and, and relay that message back to uh, the detail in terms of, uh, uh, back to the detail, back to Lester and, and Press who are back uh, in the basement, uh, back at the uh, back at the office. Uh, what were your thoughts on the, the bar sales switching it up again as far as uh, getting, getting the stash out the window? Yeah, this doesn't have anything to do with the bar sales and switching anything up. Um, this is about the, there's two things that this is about. A, I mean, this is all about the drugs being on the table, like going back to the, the epi, epigraph. Um, this is all about drugs being on the table. Drugs being on the table, and this episode is a bad thing because that will mean they will give up key components to it. Um, and so Daniels, uh, ugh, can I talk about this scene without talking about, I don't know if I could talk about this scene without until we get to oh, we're not we're not on the daniels McNulty no 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 i don't i have to connect those two together okay until daniels is talking about um their strategy for the raids we see we haven't even gotten to that point yet no, no. um so anyway so this is about drugs being on the table i'll just end it at that i'll come back and connect this so we have daniels and McNulty. McNulty, of course you know um is back in the detail he's uh was He's drinking. Um, he's drinking. Daniels basically tells him to stop drinking and you know do your job. 
he tells me, he asked McNulty, uh, McNulty asked him, is, was the case worth it? Says the case, you know, says the case wasn't worth it. Daniels basically says, we don't get to make that call. Um, you don't get to make that call, you know, do your job. And he takes the, uh, takes the liquor bottle from uh, McNulty. What were your thoughts on that? Oh, I love this scene. <laughs> I love every single solitary second of this scene. And um, I've been thinking a lot about The Wire lately. And why is that the show is so just personally enjoyable to me? Um, and a show that is truly great is one that conveys a message over time. And so I was thinking about the amount of time that has gone by and like all the different things that happened, not only in my life, but in the world since 2003, literal 2003, 2002, 2001, when they're doing this show versus 2020 and how so much rings so true now as it did then. So you know the overall messaging is, is great. They're hitting on things that, of course, are unanimous throughout human history, right? Like that, that's a big indicator of a great show. Um, and then the second one is, for me, is just the complexity of the characters. How I understood Daniels and McNulty in 2003 is not how I understand them today. And that's great because that's what a good show does. It's not going to leave you with one concept of a character because then that's stagnant. And then when people move on from that, then that character goes away in the human consciousness um, or the show goes away in the human consciousness. It's impossible to do that with The Wire because the characters are so multi-layered. Um, and so uh, the reason I love this scene today has wouldn't even have been in my conceptual range at 23 just because I didn't have the accumulation of life experiences to 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 add on to that and so what I loved about this scene is you mentioned pity party in the beginning of the episode in McNulty and that's absolutely what McNulty's doing he's having himself his own private McNulty pity party and what I love about this scene is Daniels has no time for it at all but also does it in a way that doesn't shut down who McNulty is because his value to the detail is his, you know, what's the, what's the thing that they always talk about in basketball or with sports, right? Like, it's like the thing that makes you, you don't get rid of that. You just try to tone it a little bit. Right. So like, if you, I mean, mostly it's talked about with very intense players, somebody in the Ron Artest or Dennis Rodman kind of, kind of camp where yeah a lot of stuff they do gets them in trouble off the court but it's exactly that that what makes them great on the court right so you can't take that away in their life without taking that away from the court that's kind of like the the thought process with that or the hidden subtext however you want however you want to go that so i say that to say with McNulty, <laughs> right um i give mcnulty a lot of shit for a lot of different things um but what Daniels knows is he can't take that, he can't completely take that fire away from him. So he shuts him down off the pity party, but then reignites him 
in terms of the investigative, like, let's go get some shit done for, for Kena. And so as somebody who's had to supervise adults, I recognize how hard that is, um, which would have I would have had no context for in 2003. At 23, which I do have very much for, so I I really appreciated this the skill of of what Daniel did and how he did it. Yeah, he shuts him down, but it's not it doesn't. It's kind of one of those where he doesn't go all in and basically says stop feeling sorry for yourself. And he does. It's the the shutdown is quick. It's efficient. It's quick to the point. There you go. He says what needs to be said in the moment. It doesn't need to get personal because this is not what that's about right now. No, nothing, nothing about that. So he says what he needs to say in the moment and, and as much as he needs to say it to your efficiency point and then moves on. And during that exchange, uh, of course, McNulty gets a call from Bunk about bubbles. We'll get to that because we have a big scene coming up uh, now. So... Avon and Stringer uh, been sitting on this point for about six weeks anticipating this scene. So they meet, they are back at the club. Of course, the club is closed. Uh, Orlando's is closed. Um, Stringer comes in with the back, comes in with the money um, that they were, you know, the, comes in with the money that Orlando had, $30,000. He, Avon, rips, reprimands, uh, well, yeah, let me set it up. So Stringer basically goes through all the beats in terms of, all right, Sabino got a story, you can stick to it. Um, he, t- he tells him about Little Man. Uh, I got to put Weebay, he put Weebay on that. So everything is tightened up despite everything, despite the current situation, everything seems to be tightened up until Stringer brings up the money. Uh, Avon says this cash got us caught up. And then Ava, then Stringer says, "My bad, that was my fault. I told I, I told Savino and Weebay and them they could take they can get Orlando and take their payday as well." Avon goes basically sort of berserk and basically rips into Stringer and says, "How could you, Orlando, having thirty thousand dollars? What do it say? How could basically like how could you make a mistake this egregious?" Now thinking about this scene and thinking about this exchange um a couple things came to my mind i first i thought about there's no way that a number two in a major drug organization should make a mistake disagree this no way not by any stretch of the stretch sense of stretch of imagination this is no easy especially considering how smart and how sharp, for the most part, Stringer is. We know later on, of course, in the series, that Stringer's going to make a number of mistakes, but not as a number two. Without those who would be when he's top dog. This mistake is so egregious that it triggered my uh, thoughts about your theory, a conspiracy theory, in regards to the Stringer versus Avon. What, what were your thoughts? Um, I'm I'm going I'm going to let you go in because you say you've been holding on to this for six weeks. Well, I mean, so, I, so I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you go in. 
so you have like you have the, the, these two sort of like stringers there's, there's no question that avon is the general he's the king he's the general he's running shit he's street smart but stringer stringer makes this mistake and it's like like i was like this is like a d'angelo type of mistake or this is something that this is like a wallace type of mistake like this is not a, a mistake that a number two makes and it had me it just had me wondering about you know again about your theories on stringer versus avon and then it also had me thinking like what like how did they it had me thinking like how did they even meet how did stringer and avon even even connect even get up even how did you had me wondering uh, it had me wanting to see a a prequel to in terms of how they got together because avon as and we'll see going on and we'll see later on in this series the types of people avon connects to in regards to the street like we avon a guy that and i'll give a couple characters away chris partlow and avon would have been a perfect match a avon and slim charles are a perfect match looking down the road they are a perfect match so with that being said i just i, I just kind of got me to wondering about what was about how did they connect how the stringer and eight how did how a stringer get into this particular position now you can have a stringer in your organization but you need a street dude who understands the, who understands the street at a higher level who doesn't make this type of this level of mistake because I mean, let me give you not you but the audience how egregious this mistake is so this basically cost them three people uh with this mistake so you have so stringer has to send away Weebay. Weebay is their number one soldier. He has Weebay has to kill Little Man, and Savino has to go to jail. Those those are three key soldiers that are, that, that 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 are sacrificed with this one move. And the cops are on their and and you know the cops are on their ass. But these are three. Even though that they now Stringer is not Stringer's fault that that uh that they shot a cop. That that was just that was just a you know a coincidence of just a bad circle bad luck that wasn't stringers that wasn't that stringer so i'm not gonna put that one on stringer per se but the but the uh the ramifications of his decision to try to take thirty thousand dollars of the fraud orlando for and i'm like you know I, you know i got i'm not gonna i don't, don't want to step on your theory but um about that but I just thought the risk versus the reward wasn't, it just didn't make sense. And even though I'm, I'm trying to think of like, what was the upside to this move? What was the upside to, unless you're trying, unless he's trying to get in, you know, getting good with the, with, with the Barksdale soldiers, um, that, that much more of it, which I already thought he had a great relationship with Weebay and with, with those guys, um, with those guys. So again, this was a move that again, that, that a number two, that, that a number two doesn't make let alone a, a guy at the top should make. I mean, this is how, this is a bad, bad mistake by Stringer, to say the least. Maybe, not not, not the worst we'll see in terms of the, the history of the wire, but definitely top three, top five bad decisions by Stringer. Definitely top three uh, by Stringer. What were your thoughts? Well, I mean, I, I think our theories are different, but they might connect, but we also have plenty of time for that. Um, in terms of 
yeah, we have we have plenty of time for that. As as I've been looking at looking ahead at some, some there's there's plenty of time to talk about talk about talk about that and then start connecting stuff together. Um, but uh, in terms of just the the kind of the methodology of uh, the Barksdale organization, um, you like you, you kind of again. The, I, I can't say it enough. This this is about consequences um, and the fallout of of something like this and how significant it is on both sides. And so, to the point that you were making, um, you know this 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 cost, man. This cost. And if you wanted to to deliver an internal blow to the Barksdale organization, this would this would be exactly the way you would go about it because they lost they lost significant no question um so you have mcnulty and bubbles uh back to police station um holly of course the, the cop that beat the shit out of bubbles lies about the whole altercation says bubbles raised up on him and shit went bad even though bubbles was 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 handcuffed to a table, <laughs> to, to, to a table, and weighs about a hundred pounds less than Holly. Uh, so he lies about that. Um, McNulty tells Bubbles about Kima, tells Bubbles about Kima, and then asks for uh, help. Ask Bubbles for help. Um, says he need, you know, can he go around the projects and start looking looking for who's not around so he can start to make connect some names and and and, and further the case and gives Bubbles $20, which was extremely significant um, in this scene. Uh, Bubbles, of course, we all know was trying, is, in a, is, in a, is, is definitely trying to get clean. And at this he, is, he is clean, yes, he is clean at this point. He's been clean for like a week now, or three days in terms of last episode. He's been clean for like three days. Uh, and there were a couple instances where he, was trying to insinuate McNulty that he was clean, and McNulty both times shut him down um, and gave him a twenty dollar bill. And basically, again, you know, McNulty is still about McNulty is is fully at this point snapped out of his funk. As far as uh, he's back, he's, he's back into the case. He's back into the case mode at this point. Uh, back focused on trying to you know get. Uh, kind of catch whoever uh killed Kima or any connections to uh solving this case or to figuring out who uh shot who shot Kima. So he's back and he completely dismisses the fact that again Bubbles is trying to stay clean and give them the twenty dollar bill. Um what were your thoughts? <laughs> um so yeah, I, I like I can't look at this scene any other way than to feel very, very, very sad for Bubbles and to be very, very annoyed with McNulty, but not like McNulty was trying to do something intentional, just mad at the uh, how selfish he is. I mean, just, 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 but it is a character flaw in which they have set up and will continue to beat 
um well that that's a character flaw i mean it just it just is that's that's part of that's part of or just care just character and it's it's one i see as as a significant as significant flaw and then i mean like the biggest thing is like like so those are like the initial emotions and just like just in terms of um uh very uh very sad <laughs> just very sad for all involved in that but on the flip side of that that's what makes it a really good scene and what you know the actors that that do this uh, for a living um during everybody that's involved in the, in the project i mean it just it just again when i'm just immediately just snapped into the moment and just care so passionately about the outcome of a fictional character yeah you you're you're doing your job you're doing your job and and they were doing their jobs because the all i all i was thinking about in that moment was um was uh damn it no just listen to him just ask him why he was waiting for Kima. ask him why and then don't give him that 20 dollars yeah, so and then uh, Bob's, don't take that don't take that 20 don't so, take that 20 dollars and everything like that um but you know those are all components of a scene but it's what they it's the people that's involved that makes that powerful so the 20 dollars is significant because if you remember early in the season, McNulty, when they were doing, Bubbles was doing some work with McNulty and Kima in the detail, he, this is, and this is early in the season, this might have been the third or fourth episode, maybe even the second or third episode. He gives them, I think he gave him $20 that time. And, and Kima basically reprimands McNulty and says, like, what are you doing? You're going to spoil them. This was after Bubbles had left, um, had left says you're gonna you know you're gonna spoil them rotten and then he says uh you know he says i respect the work i respect the work so you have that and then you also have the fact that before he not by not allowing bubbles to get out more than two words mcnulty doesn't know that bubbles is actually clean and bubbles you know somebody tried to get clean there there were a number of things that bubbles brought up in that last phone call he had with with Kima about the uh, or that meeting, it wasn't a phone call. It was a meeting with Kima before she got the day of the day she got shot. You know, I need the bed, I need this, need that. So there are a number of things that had to happen for to for for, them, for him to feel successful about being clean and getting clean. Any one of those things falls through, there's a chance he will be back. Using drugs. It's not a chance. It's so I'll break I'll break it down. I'll break this down very simply. Just very simply. The 20 is for Bubs to go and buy drugs. That that's what the money, that's what the money's for. And then he can cop. He the 20 here's the the 20 is for drugs to go and get drugs. Bubs to go and get information. The way Bubs goes and gets information is by going out on that corner and copping that that is that's how budge effective bubs effectively works works as a snitch so kima giving him the ten dollars initially was as much as she was going to give bubs in order to go and get high because she knew a he would take the money and buy drugs with it and go and get high so the yes. smaller amount that he has the less drugs he can buy 
Yep. That's just her being her. Yeah. Jimmy says, I respect the work. He's not looking at Bubs as a person. Nope. Those are the two. That's, that's the different dynamic. And so the 20, you're right, is significant. And it's significant in a lot of different ways. And the particular re- thing about that 20 is significant is because it's basically, Bubs, I do, I've never seen you as a person. I'm telling you somebody that is close to you just got shot. I'm being impacted by it. You may be impacted by it, but who cares? Because I don't care because it's about me. Here's the 20 to go buy some drugs to do your thing to get me information for Kima so I can get the arrest. So his inherently selfish behavior, which is fine when it's just consolidated to you, then becomes destructive when manifested outwards. Yeah. And that 20 is the, the idea of the, 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 uh, is the, is the tangible part of that that self-destruction. It's almost like a transference, right? We're looking at two self-destructive motherfuckers here. And they're both very self-destructive, both in their own ways. And it's almost kind of like a transference of it. Um, my pain was going to have me drunk and in a space. He had Daniels to snap him out of it. Bugs just, Bubs just had a beat down. Now here's my pain transferred in this $20. Go and do, go and do your thing. Okay. Without without a thought about about the humanity of yeah. of the person, yeah, no question about it. And again, it shows you the differences of the mm-hmm. characters uh, in regards to McNulty versus Kima. Um, mm-mm, mm-mm. This is, I mean, like this is this is a big one. This is this is a big one. It's a huge one. It doesn't just show you the differences. It it shows you the which is why I backed off of McNulty as being some type of model archetype because i don't think that's accurate and i think they are giving multiple bites at the apple or multiple at bats to show you how uh uh corrosive that not only his personality but remember these guys are archetypes all the characters archetypes so how corrosive the police environment is and what it does it dehumanizes and in this instance McNulty is dehumanizing bubbles. It's a big deal. It's a big, big, no, no, big, I... big, big, huge, huge, huge deal. It not only have ramifications for, um, it not only has ramifications for who McNulty is as a person, but it also has very long existing ramifications for the character who is bubbles. No question about it. Um, the following scene, you have uh, McNulty, Levy, and Perlman. McNulty threatens Perlman, excuse me, threatens Levy, uh, threatens to expose Levy and his dirty dealings with, in terms of financial reports. If he doesn't give up uh, Sabino, he knows, of course, Sabino, he's, he's rep Sabino, last four, four court cases, and he knows that he can send out word to him. So, he shits on Levy right in front of Perlman. Um, Perlman reluctantly in the office agrees with McNulty once, once Levy asked him, is, the, is this, are, am I hearing this from the state's attorney? 
attorney's office and she says yes, then when uh, they um, go outside, Perlman, you know, goes at McNulty saying, listen, you can't shit on people like that who I, who have a, who, who have an impact on my career. You know, Perlman has her own ambition. She wants to get certain places. She wants to move up in the world. Uh, Nolte basically doesn't give a shit. He says, you know, you, he says, you know, he says everybody in this system wants to get paid, wants to move up to another position. He wants to, wants to move up another, another position, wants to be friends. Is at the at the behest and at the sacrifice of real police work and uh, and solving cases, uh, and Perlman ends the scene basically say and says and again you can go back to the last scene. Perlman says you will use anyone, and that's how that scene ends. Yeah. So this is again, like I said, like they they do. I mean, great scene, fantastic all the way through. Everybody involved, fantastic, just fantastic fantastic to watch um and so this is a much more digestible way to present mcnulty to get the point that we were just talking about the thing with him and bubs is subtle there's a lot of things you got to be plugged into to 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 really digest that and you're never going to digest that just seeing the episode once you got to see that multiple times to digest those those type of subtleties not not just in that circumstance and a variety of different things that wires and the wire and good shows do um but this is a much this this one you all you do and that's what she's saying because that's what he's doing um this is exhibit b by the way in terms of the argument the show is is making on subtlety or not subtlety patience taking a step back and using some investigative manner uh style i.e freeman versus just reacting emotionally mcnulty um in this scene uh number three because i'll i'll connect this one back when we when we get closer to the 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 scenes that that um are coming later on but also number three this is another scene that's a perfect example of the difference between how i viewed it at 23 versus how i now view it at 40 right at 23 i was like yeah mcnulty da, 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 da. yeah corrupt lawyers blah, blah blah everything like that and then now i look at it now and it's obvious he played it wrong. It's 1000% obvious he played it wrong. Not only in the episode will it be obvious that he played it wrong, but just in terms of the accumulations of experiences I've had, I know I've had the least amount of success when I've gone into a, in a, to a situation that required some subtlety, that required some depth, that required not just yelling or just being as blunt as possible. And I came in there with those in with that in that space, being as blunt, being as as forward, being in my emotions as possible, and how that flipped on me. And when I look back on those situations, I wish I had done something different. And so when I was looking at this, I was like, yeah, this is gonna be one where the if there was a real McNulty looking back on this. He would be like, I wish I had played this one differently. 
So you think he played it wrong in terms of how he? We'll get there. We'll we'll get there. There's no way to get to that part until we get to the end. All right. So we have Freeman and Prez. They realize that Weebase Pager. They realize this mostly Prez, by the way, realizes that uh, Weebase that this was Weebase Pager number that was making the calls to uh, Stringer. That was making the calls uh, to Stringer. They connected from previous police work that they had done that night of uh, a couple episodes back, even, the, the, I think even going back to when uh, Omar Omar uh, shot Weebay. So Perez does good police work in terms of making uh, that connection, uh, figuring out that it was his page and number, uh, which would give them, you know, gives them the other, gives them the other shooter. Uh, from that standpoint, anything you want to add to that? Mm-mm, nope. Um, then you have Daniels, Burrell, Foster, and Ross all in the same in the office. The commissioner wants immediate raids. He wants a photo op um, based on you know to try to make himself look good, to try to make him make him seem like the case is moving case is moving forward, not the actual Barksdale case, but in terms of who shot uh, Kima, and um, he doesn't, of course. This will obviously compromise the Barksdale case, and this is, of course, where uh, Daniel says um, the uh, epigraph "dope on the cape, dope on the table." Um, Forrester says we're showing them who we are, and Daniel's retorts, "Well, and who exactly are we?" Um, so Daniel's is pissed, as rightfully so, because this will, uh, this you know, this. This is going to expose him that much more to the Barksdales and allow the Barksdales to make up to make make moves and change things up by uh, going after certain uh, stash houses. Uh, but again, Burrell is, you know, the commissioner. The Burrell wants this very much. The commissioner says this, but Burrell wants this as well in, in regards to one uh, one to make these raids and, and um, he's been a buy bus type, you know authority figure throughout the course of the season. So this falls right in the line with what Burrell's line of thinking. But the commissioner, the commission that you saw earlier in the season, other not in the season, other in the episode, he sends out the immediate order that 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 Wayne raids and he just he wants again, similar to a similar to one of similar to a leader of the of uh US just wanted a photo op. And um that's how that scene ended uh with the epigraph of dope on the table. What were your thoughts? Yeah. Um, so, so again, so this is, this is institution, right? Like, like, uh, there, there could be a variety of different motives behind, behind why they're doing it. What I perceive is that they, a cop has been shot. They need to make a statement and the statement is a response and the response looks like what the response has always looked like. That's what I mean by me that's what i mean for me personally when i talk about systemic stuff um uh the ability to change up tactics and the reason that they don't change it tactics is why the criminals can quote unquote criminals can uh uh predict their moves so so clearly ahead of time can and can create whole protocols that uh that that can uh befuddle the police that's why that's that's why that's such a problem, um, and so that's how that's how I took took this took this response, um, and so uh, 
part of that is dope on the table, right? If you're going to make a big show, you make a big show of going in, kicking down doors and arresting. And the big things that come out of the arrest of drug dealers are, are money, weapons, and drugs. Got to see those three things on the table. And so basically, to your point, uh, what that means is photo op. And what that photo op means is tried and true practices. And what that what tried and true practices mean is we we break open the dusty old playbook and we do these things right here that are ultimately for show, but will have no bearing on anything meaningful at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, I mean, we, you know different situation but we we saw last week what how much a photo op actually means in the grand scheme of getting shit done for things that actually matter so we saw that exhibit itself in real life in this country last week so that's what that's why i kind of i couldn't help but to think about that when i was well i mean it's just a, a photo op is a photo op i mean like it's inherent in the name there's no purpose purpose yeah, a photo opportunity other than getting your picture taken yeah yeah um and so it, it says it right there like there we don't even have to like do, like a photo op is is inherent in what it is so you have um Have Savino, Levy, McNulty, Bunk, Landsman, and uh, Perlman, Nathan, all in the room. Um, Savino is willing to take the charge. Uh, willing to take, willing to eat the charge. Uh, they don't have any, and refuse. Of course, it's not going to give up. And we we've seen this out throughout the course of the series. No Barksdale soldier is going to give up anybody up until this point. Savino falls right in, the, in line with that. Says he'll do the years. Um, uh, said Levy says that uh, argues for Savino in terms of that he was just trying to defraud uh, Orlando of the cash, uh, so try to disconnect him from any of the sh from in terms of the shooting. Um, in terms of that, um, so so Savino only gets gets the three years. You have uh, McNulty tell Levy at the end of the scene, uh, nicely done. Um, you have Bunk. Bunk says, you know, that goes three years and a $5,000 fine. Bunk says, oh, shit, you still up 25000 based on the, the 30000 of course, that, that was missing. Uh, so, again, an example of the system playing and playing out and also loyalty within the and continuous loyalty within the Barksdale organization that, you know, Sabina wasn't going to give anybody up and was going to eat, was just says, and basically said, well said, I will I will do the years, uh, do the three years. What are your thoughts on this scene? All right, so this is now the one that connects back to McNulty going in to the going into the lawyer's office. So McNulty said it himself at the very end. What'd he say to um to uh Levy? Yeah, what do you say? Say so I wouldn't wipe my ass with a boss. Uh -uh, no, 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 no. What'd he just say right there? To to uh, oh, just said it. Yeah, nicely done. Yeah. Nicely mm -hmm. done. What did Savino get that was not already planned for him? Nothing. Did, any, any extra? Did Nothing. any of the threats that uh, McNulty 
make towards Levy gain them anything? No. Did he give away information beforehand? No, nothing was gained. Like nothing. Uh, nothing. So was Levy able to come in with a better game plan based off McNulty going in there and running his mouth? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Levy, I mean, clearly Levy, they, I mean, you have to think that Levy talked to Savino and they consulted with the, the, the higher-ups on the Barksdales to, to say. So hey, Savino, we knew he was going to get the three years because uh, Stringer talks about it. He yes, says yes. he's going to have to eat the charge. Like, we, he already knew that. So th- this is already well-planned in advance, right? right? Like, in terms of, like, if something goes wrong, this is what X, Y, and D. So, so all of that is locked in. Savino's not saying anything. He's not going to go beyond the three years and everything like that. All that is locked in. And so then on top of that, um, instead of the police – being able to come at Savino with something unexpected, the way McNulty plays it is he kind of delivers all of, he, he gives up every strategy that they had in the process, and um, Levy comes in there well-prepared. Let's just say that, yeah. well-prepared. Yes. Already prepared for what they had, all, of course, been prepared for, but now even more prepared and better prepared based off of all the threats to him himself yeah, that could have yeah. potentially got, gotten some other things moving if made in a different context. Anyways, all that neither, neither here nor there. That's just kind of like what I meant by uh, uh, McNulty played that, played that wrong. I think overarching, though, is the sense of what, um, to your point, what the system looks like on both ends, right? Like, it can be wielded in a way that is hugely unfair to a group of people, but also, if you have the means to protect yourself, then that system could be very protective of you. In a lot of cases, can be overly protective when you are dead ass wrong. <laughs> and so this is the flip side of that, right? They have the means to protect different members in their organization, even when those members are dead ass wrong and is by using the system against itself. Um, or how it was intended for people with privilege, but that's neither here nor there. So, um, you're 100% correct. I just want to call out what you said in terms of systemic. This is the flip side of that, where you can actually use the system to your benefit as a criminal organization. No question about it. Um, he, yeah, yeah. I mean, McNulty gave, gave, uh, leave gave way to start. Gave, well, yeah, 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 he, yeah. It's all, you know, it's almost like, you know, if you, you're playing chess, you make a you make an immediate move and it sacrifices moves that that it it, it kills you down the road. So it's Well, like, here's what you don't do in chess. You don't make a move and then you don't yell at the person and tell them the next <laughs> moves you're gonna do. <laughs> it's like yes. No, that's what you definitely don't do. You in don't, chess. No, no, that's when that goes back to your point of being subtle. 
<laughs> so Zavino gets the three years. Uh, they turn in, you know, the bacon soda, whatever. Again, we leave. I mean, Levy brought the bacon, brought that, brought that thing. That's what it was. That's what he was able to to um, conjure up. Yeah. Yes. 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 But uh, so the bacon soda excuse. But uh, no, this was you, you, to your point, and you're a thousand percent right. It was not played. It was poorly played by uh, by one McNulty. Um, so you have yeah, Poot and Bubbles. Um, and by the way, I got I made a mistake earlier. This this was the scene where D'Angelo and uh, Bodie were talking about what transpired and some of the ramifications of what possibly uh, could happen with the fallout of, of, of Kima being shot. And uh, they were talking about little man and saying, you know, you heard Bowie saying Park Heights, Park Heights dudes got all heart and no brains and talking about, of course, talking about little man uh, for shooting Kima. And um, important in this scene, you have Poot and Bubbles. Um, Pooh is receiving a stash dropped down out of a window. I did not know. I, all the years I've watched this show, I never noticed this. He waits for Bubbles to walk past him, uh, seemingly intentionally. Seemingly, seemingly, he waited for Bubbles to walk past him uh, before he received the stash. And I don't see, I don't think, Bubbles did not see him take that stash from out of the window. So You got to zoom out and look at him. You're looking way too specific to the scene. You're right. He does pause and wait, but you just got to zoom out a little bit. Um, so there, so, so Pooh receives the stash uh, by the payphone. Again, going back to similar to earlier in the season, not the season, earlier in the uh, episode where you saw uh, D'Angelo, not D'Angelo, Bodie receive the stash being dropped out the window. Um, and Bubbles walks past. Um, what were your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, yeah, because I noticed the exact same thing. That's why I say zoom. You guys, uh, I zoomed out a little bit because there's no inherent reason for Poot to wait for him unless he's like, "Damn, I haven't seen Bubbles around for a while." And so what that scene does is connect you back to like Bubbles is legit clean, like legit clean. Um, in terms of this wasn't a you know a take the chip high and then go get high type of situation. This was, he had been out of the game for a while to the point that it was actually noticeable. Um, and so that was just another kind of like connection. Like he was really clean and now he really has to go back in here. Yeah, I don't think, no, I'm not trying to say, I don't think Poop Poop was on the bubbles as a snitch, no. No, 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 that's what I'm saying. Like, like no, I know, no, I know you weren't saying, I'm just saying, it actually doesn't have anything to do with the actual moving parts or anything that's going on in that scene. It is just, it's so obvious and we both recognized it because it's meant to be obvious. They don't do anything out there, but it doesn't, it's not meant to connect with anything in that scene outside of to let us know that Bubbles was really clean and that Poot noticed Bubbles because Bubbles hadn't been around the pit for a yeah. while. Yeah. So you have D'Angelo, being summoned by Stringer. Um, we'll get to that later on, an old matchup we've seen later on. So, you know, 
we'll, we'll, we'll connect that later on in the episode. Yeah, that, as you had, that, that was a, this would be an important scene with WeeBay. Um, yeah, the detail, Daniel's giving instructions to the detail on the up and coming raids. Daniel, now, important thing about this is they're going to hold back on the main, they're going to hold back on the main targets. They also main stash. Well, no, the main, yeah. Main stash. Main stash. Main stash. Yeah. Um, and they also, we also get revealed that they know that the Barstells are now dropping stashes out of the windows by, by Big uh, Herc. Well, that's what they, that's what they were going to give, give them. And I, sorry, you go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. They also, no, no, no. Go finish with the description. I'm jumping all in here. Um, they know that uh, the bark sales now have uh, started to to drop drop the stashes out of out of the windows. Um, what were your thoughts? Okay, um, so uh, that's really important because, like, even at the beginning of this episode, I'm like, why are they focusing so much on them dropping stuff out windows? Um, but it connects the point of that's what Daniels was going to give them instead, and also, that's another point in how Herc and Carver's investigative abilities have grown, even through even through this short time in the in the case. Because you got Cole, who was like there, but he's just like looking for Sabino, just like you know, like I don't know what it is, Sabino, Sabino, I don't know. And um, Herc recognizes uh, Bodie, but instead of the usual thing where he usually calls. Carve and says, Carve, there's Bodie. Let's go whoop his ass. He's like, huh, let me see. He doesn't, of course, say this. It's just with the reaction. Let me see what Bodie's going to do. And then he watches him, watches the stash come down, take those pictures of everything. So I just, that, that, was, that was earlier on an example of just kind of like how, how they're growing as investigative police, even throughout this, this tiny investigation. Now, um, now, the reason why the dropping out of is important has nothing to actually do with, they, of course, know they move stash outs and do all the different stuff. That doesn't have anything to do with tactically how they're going to approach this. What it does is it gives Daniels a way to get, potentially get dope on the table without having to give up the stash house. So he was going to use the information that Kurt Herc had gathered investigatively to um, to offer up to the superiors as a method to get dope on the table, knowing that, you know, it was, it was highly unlikely since they move all the stashes all the time. It was highly unlikely, and Herc's hasn't investigated. His, his powers haven't grown that far in terms of like, yeah, he knows, but then he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah but they moved them all the time. Anyway, he, he's not thinking, like, if this is a chess piece and a chess move, the person who is much, much better suited to thinking like that, is his voice is curiously absent during, during, this, during this time. So anyways, it's, it's a, it's, it shows what Daniels was going to do, and then by the absence of somebody being there, huge, huge uh, pointer for the future. Yeah, there, there's a there is a noticeable absence of somebody who was there while those directions were being given. A noticeable one. 
Uh, not not we'll, we'll he would, Yeah, go ahead. We'll find out. We'll, of course, we'll find out before the uh, season is over with because there's only two more episodes in this season left. Uh, but there's a note. Note, just notice if you're always watching. Notice who's not there in that particular. He's there. He's there in both of those scenes. His voice is absent. That's what I meant. He's right. there in both of the scenes. Right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, Stringer, D'Angelo, Weebay. Uh, Stringer tells D'Angelo to go with Weebay. Um, tells Weebay. Keep it clean, no mistakes. Uh, D'Angelo was completely just didn't befuddle in terms of what, in terms of why he's going with Weebay. Uh, again, Stringer. <laughs> yeah, he he has. Nobody zero, tells him. No, yeah, no, they, don't, they don't tell him anything. Bill nope. um, Elba in the scene was tremendous. His just just acting without saying anything, basically. I mean, he said, I know he had a couple of lines, but just his, you know, how, just the, the you know, just sitting down, I mean, he's, he has a, some water, takes an aspirin. It was like, it was just, you know, I thought he was brilliant in that scene, menacing without saying anything, just with his, his, his like, just body language and just with, it was almost what he didn't say had you thinking like, what, you know, what the fuck is going on? When I first saw this, uh, this scene, I was like, oh, like what what's going on with this? I, you know, did not um, you know, think about what, you know, what uh was gonna go on with D'Angelo. But um, yeah, it's um tells him, you know, tells Weebay, hey, don't make no mistakes, let's go. Um, D'Angelo tries to wait, wait out maybe some more information, then Shringer says, you know, what the fuck you waiting for? And that's that. Uh, what were your thoughts? Oh, they didn't, they didn't follow out everything. Uh, I'm trying to think. It's, I mean, it's, it's not even going to be the biggest match mashup, like connecting the scenes, but I think I do need to get to the scene where they're actually at his apartment. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so the detail. Um, Major Reed realizes that they held back, uh, that they held back main targets on the uh, – of the raids, he yells at uh, he yells at uh, Daniel. Yeah, he yells at Daniels, and then the detail comes in. McNulty, Freeman come into Daniels' office. Well, maybe it wasn't McNulty. I think it was it was Freeman. No, it was McNulty. You're right. No, but okay. McNulty and Freeman come in Daniels' office, and they realize that at that point that somebody's been talking to Burrell about snitching within the detail. Somebody says there's a snitch within the detail. Daniels, you know, says that at first when we began began the case that he was the snitch to to Burrell, that he was telling Burrell everything. And then Freeman says, well, he lost you and he found somebody else. And then we look around the room, everybody's in the room, um, everybody's there and they just, and then uh, that, that scene ends. So, now we, you know, come to now we know that there is a somebody, there is a, a snitch within the detail, uh, within the detail. So, what, what were your thoughts? I, I think originally, because I mean, like, I know the answer to this question, of course. So, I think originally we're supposed to believe Herc. That's that's what I think. 
that's what I, that, as I was reflecting back on this, I was trying to remember, well, what did I think um, was, was happening? Uh, so that, that's what I, I think, I think it's set up that way and rebuild that way because we're supposed to think Herc is the one. He's the obvious one. Right, right. I think so. So you have uh, McNulty and Phelan. Um, McNulty tries to get the uh, judge's help about the raids. Um, the judge is back on the ticket um, and reluctant to help uh, to help out McNulty. Um, but McNulty entices him just enough enough to get to uh, to get Phelan to kind of give in. Um, and again, we learned in this scene about the politics in terms of failing now is back on the ticket and fitting to, to, to the points earlier, not earlier in the episode, but earlier in the season, maybe even last week we talked about this, that failing would never be go all in the way he once did considering his, 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 his position. Remember, he was off the ticket and he wanted no part of it. Now he's back on the ticket and he wants to stay on the ticket um in terms of the mayor's ticket so he reluctantly assists mcnulty when once mcnulty that's how i took it when when mcnulty says who's my daddy now so um you had that going you know just just that was just he did he didn't uh mcnulty wasn't able to get any assistance from him at all there was nothing he could because he was back on the ticket there was nothing he was going to give mcnulty Nolte came for him for help right then and there um, to, to, get, uh, to um, get Daniels. They needed, McNulty needed him to get them to back off hitting the oh, main stash house. Okay, so he, okay, so no, and so that's what McNulty went there for him to get assistance with, and he wasn't going to get any no. assistance from the judge. No, so yeah, to your point, yes, because I didn't stop them from backing off the stash houses. Yeah, so the judge, you know, the judge is now, you know, again, he's back on the ticket and he uh, is not going to go where he yeah. wants to go. But again, this is only McNulty acting ra- irrationally. He told him last time. He, he made it very clear where, where he stood in terms of, or the situation itself was made very clear, I should say, in terms of the mayor, the mayor. The judge doesn't, isn't, like, doesn't have a seat dedicated he has to run. They have him off the ticket. He's not going to help you anymore. So, I mean, McNulty can go to the judge as he did, expecting a different answer, but he got the answer that was going, was going to be the answer. You have D'Angelo and Weebay. Uh, Weebay uh, takes D'Angelo. Well, D'Angelo's driving. And... Um, takes D'Angelo to his place. D'Angelo begins to think that, uh, well, be, no, not begins to start, uh, thinks that he's gonna be killed by Weebay, scared to death. Uh, they turn on, the, the lights are off in Weebay's place. And right before when D'Angelo, right before D'Angelo, uh, Weebay turns on the lights, you see D'Angelo basically crying, or uh, about to start crying. And then you see that, uh, he sees that, you see all the fish that Weebay has, and he realizes that D'Angelo, that uh, Weebay 
Green Bay tells him that he has to go up. He has to go away, take care of my fish uh, while I'm going, and then drive me, drive me to Philly. Um, first off, my first thought is I actually thought, I thought he might kill D'Angelo at first. I mean, they played this scene was shot so well in, in regards to some of the t- tension that was built up in the scene. Um, that they did, I thought they did a great job at, at, at kind of building up the tension in this scene. But uh, D'Angelo, he tells D'Angelo, hey, we shot a cop, you know, we shot a narco. Um, so yeah, he tells him he has to drive him to Philly. He tells D'Angelo he has to uh, drive him to Philly, get some stuff and before they uh, head out. Um, so what were your thoughts on this? Show, not tell. Yep. This is, this is, uh, this is what the wire does best when it's doing it. Um, and so, uh, and so, this does this scene right here does more than any other scene, and you can combine them all of D'Angelo at setting up why he will do what he does at the end of the season. This is this is a complete setup for that. It's just a complete and total setup for that. And they're showing you, it's quite simple. I mean, it's just, it's such a simple equation. And when you see it, it makes all the sense in the world. It doesn't have to do about hard and blah, 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 or who did this and that, or who's uncle, everything. He does not want to die. It's that simple. Like when you, when you really break human beings down, we're actually really simple creatures. Um, but so, the, or, or can be expressed in very simple, simple ways. And so, by showing you that he does not want to die, it answers all those questions we had about D'Angelo um, uh, and sets up for what is going to happen um, later on in the season. That's as much as I can say about it without really getting into it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely, it's definitely some more, it's definitely some setup with that uh, in terms of his character with that uh, particular scene. Um, so you go to the detail, uh, Bubbles lets the detail know who hasn't been in the pit. Um, it gives them little man's name. And then you have, as they, right before they're about to go in, right before they're about to uh, go on the raids. And then you have the raids, uh, you have the raids where you have Herc and Carver during the raids, they hit, they hit the stash houses, hit some of the stash houses. Um, and you have Herc and Carver both take money without anybody knowing. Um, of course, we saw them early in the season. Uh, we saw them early in the season think about taking money, and then Herc, you know, basically had to talk Carver out of it. No, excuse me, Carver had to talk Herc out of it. Uh, but this time they both take money because, again, this one, this, this stash house had no, there was no wiretap on this particular there was no way that the, anybody would know that they would uh, that they could take that they would that, that they had taken the money uh, this time. So they take the money, and then you see the uh, police commissioner with the press conference with the dope on the table and the photo op that we discussed uh, earlier in the episode. Uh, wow, that was a, that was a lot that happened, or. I remember that being spaced out more. Um, well, I mean, the part that you so no, 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 no. You're right. You're right. You're right. I mean, I just, just, I just, that's 
there's a lot that I have to say about like each segment of that. Um, so the first part of it is um, before anybody goes anywhere, Bubs is at the table and he still has that 20 in his hand. Yes, he still, yes. Yep. And McNul if McNulty would have just asked the question <laughs> yeah. at that moment, they could have talked. Because he was looking for somebody to say, he was looking to talk. He was looking to talk. He did not want, that's, it's just, those are the things that are just so human and so heartbreaking and so real to me that I can't, I can no longer separate out the character, the show, and the, the, like all those different parts. That's where you get me as a viewer. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, it's, yep, yep. That, that's, that is it. That's, that's the good stuff to me. Um, uh, so, so you have that, and that's tough because we know exactly what's going to happen with Bubs. Um, so that's tough. Uh, and then, um, do you have the raids themselves that, that happen? Uh, and, um, it's interesting, right? Because I, I talk a lot about Hurt and Carve's, uh, uh, growth, right? And, um, and I, I, we, you didn't bring it up, so I got to go back and remember specifically the scene that I liked was when they were talking to each other about a particular strategy. Um, so I just got to go back and watch and just be really detailed in my memory, in my memory of it. But also, you wouldn't think I would use an example of them stealing money as growth because that's where they were at the very beginning of the series. But to your point, how they did it, it showed growth um, in the way in which they're thinking about, about things. Also, even though I do believe they were leaning us towards Herc, I do think, of course, they want it up in the air. So it really is the mystery of who who could have. So this puts both of them on an even playing field with one of the last images that we'll see of them. Um, so just from a storytelling co component, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, it's, they, it's very purposeful how, how, they set, how they set that entire thing up. The main thing I want to talk about was that last shot. Um, so here's what I noticed this time. Um, so you have the commissioner who who was up the white commissioner um uh, who is up and he's going to give uh kind of like this is dope on the table this is everything that we see and yada 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 um he even leans over to burrell at the very beginning so let me not make it like he never ever talked to burrell he leans over the beginning says burrell excellent work um or, or great police police work um and so uh there's a lot of what is going on that is under the umbrella right now. I think of what the show is specifically talking about in the moment that that scene was put together and ready, put together for television is that, um, that the police department can't get out of its own way. So I wholly recognize that that's probably everything about like what this was constructed about. They can't get out of their own way. They don't know who to promote, da-da-da, da-da-da-da, you know, 
uh, red tape, the bu bureaucracy of it all. But I do think things happen for a reason. And we happen to be talking about The Wire at a very, very interesting time in America. And so I'm, I'm very struck by the last shot. Anybody, everybody can go around it. The cinematographer or whoever, whoever you would, you would, you would say uh, shot it or called for that shot, it had it framed in a specific way. It has the commissioner. It has the white detective. I can't ever remember his name because he's always the older man who's just stressed out. And it has Rawls. Those oh, are the three the who are framed. Yeah, yeah him. Um, the, those are the three who are framed in that shot as they are talking about this policing that they did, this investigative process that they did, and what it, it reaped. Now, the way that I know that it probably wasn't speaking specifically to the way that a uh, uh, white-minded, racist, systematic police force goes about policing its people um, is because then the next shot is of Daniels, um, Freeman, and McNulty looking at the press conference and listening to the commissioner talk about all the effort and work in there, and they're just like dismissive of it and go back to doing what they were doing. So that tells me that what they were probably wanted to say were much more along the lines of these guys didn't put in the work, yet they're getting reaping the credit, the benefits, or saying all these different things. The people on the ground who we watch in on a day-to-day -day basis in the wire are the ones who actually do the work, yet they are nothing. They're nowhere to be found. Their voices are lost. So that, that being stated there, but I do think The Wire is talking about and has the forethought to talk about systems and how systems uh, fail their, their, uh, the people they're, they're, they're supposed to be setting up for success or in this, in this case, the people they're supposed to be protecting. And I think that shot is framed that very specific way in terms of that's the old guard. And however you define any old guard of anything in this country, that means to be of a certain color, white, and to be of, of a certain, uh, 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 what's the word? I was gonna say, uh, like, what's the thing? Sex, of a certain sex. Male, be a white male. That's the old guard. That absolutely is, and it's pretty much at every institution in this country. And so. I just, I just was really struck by how they framed that this time. I really noticed it. I know why I noticed it so much this time around, but it's there nonetheless. And it's very, very intentional. This is not just me picking out something. It's very intentional. And it is an intentional statement in which, in which they're making. Um, so, yeah, this is why the wire is great. You had that. Um... Following that, you had the uh, Prez ignores Poop and Wiles' call on the wire and puts it as non-pertinent. Yeah. Um, it is non-pertinent. If you're Prez, if you're, li like, I thought about this. If you're Prez, you're listening to that, it is, it's non-pertinent. 
I, I, I can't say that as not pertinent because it's a witness that I mean Wallace is a potential witness. How like how's that non pertinent? Yeah, but the way that the police department treated him didn't give any of that importance. That's what we argued about yesterday. I mean last yeah, but I'm we we both knew we both understood. They didn't give him that importance. Oh, but they, That's no, they, the point. They were wrong in that. Yeah. So we I we understand why. So on the on the wire it says if they if if the organization, the institution doesn't give it importance. Why would we expect Prez to give it more importance? No, he that's no, not I, fair. I, I understand. No, no, no. I understand why they did it, but that's that's still a, it's a mistake. Yeah, it was a yeah. we 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 agreed that it was a mistake yeah. for them to dismiss Wallace last last yeah. said that. So yeah, this is no. It's big to, to, to your to your point. We're both talk arguing the same thing. To your point, it should be pertinent. Pertinent pertinent, but is viewed they're being consistent with what last week's episode in terms of how they treated Wallace. And we can talk about the you know systemic racism as well. Black kids. Yeah. So they, it all they, it all goes it's the reason we why. Yep. Yeah. So no we we flushed hey. out. But no. The Prez is just somebody at somebody's grandma's house. You talking about right. grandma's yeah. they yeah. two kids talking about being at grandma's house. Now we of course we know we will see that that <laughs> how it's big, the most how, pertinent of pertinent. Yeah, that <laughs> it's going to be more pertinent. Yeah, that could yeah. Be, you couldn't, it couldn't be more pertinent. We'll find out next episode, um, which will be a big episode, to say at least, um, uh, with, uh, with episode 12. So you had that, and then the final shot. Um, actually, really, really quickly, good job calling it back out, Real, because you're right. You're 100% correct. Um, in terms of, I'm just thinking about it, like, just if Wallace was given the proper respect as a witness, then everybody's on that. Like, everybody's on it. That, that doesn't pass by anybody. But because he was not given any respect as a witness from last week, it's, it doesn't even matter if the call itself was pertinent, not pertinent. It what matters is that Prez doesn't give a shit. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because nobody. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job calling that back out. Because that's very accurate. Yeah, and it speaks to your point about the we talk about you talking about the corrosion of just a system or police work and you know how that filters throughout that uh throughout those uh throughout those institutions and those systems. Um how they can be corrosive and that, you know, Prez had been, you know, we, Prez had turned the corner as far as, and I, I'm not knocking Prez on this, but, the, you know, he's a part, he's, he's part of that system. But, you know, Prez had been a guy throughout the last five or six episodes that had been on the money as far as breaking codes and he's going to see, you know, finance reports and things like that. So for, Prez mentally is on his, his, he's on, he's been on the job, he's been on, on point. So it's just a matter, but it doesn't matter how talented somebody is. If you know you're gonna go, you're a lot of times, and we know this. We could be a lot. You could be a product of the system that you're a part of, and you can't, you know, overtake overtake that system that's already been, you know, hammered in for years upon years. Um, yep. So you have Kima in the hospital, basically on life support um, as the final shot of the episode now a couple things on this um 
during the time that this first came out, you did not know whether or not Kima was going to live or die. There were no big stars. This show, when it came out, there were no, this was an ensemble cast. There was no, you know, uh, James Gandolfini's on this show, so to speak. So it did, like anybody could, anybody could be killed at any time. Uh, even even I mean like this first season too like it just I mean the wire never got gangbusters raiders ratings anyway right um but this first I mean like you're not this I'm backing up your point the first like it just was the wire it just was this show and people were on it it wasn't it just wasn't in our in anybody's social conscience at that point or conscience at that point in time to even be able to figure out what they were trying to do. So it's just like, yeah, this, this chick, <laughs> we didn't even, I probably didn't even know her name at all. I probably didn't know her character name that well or her real name that well, which I always forget. Um, Sonia Song, Song. Sonia yeah. Yeah, Song, yeah, Sonia Song. Um, uh, anyways, in general, but yeah, but definitely back then, yeah, I mean, it was a cop that was shot and could die. Yeah, so originally she was originally when it came the scripts came out, she was supposed to die in the season. Um, David Simon and her got into an argument. She fought for her character, but the thing that clinched it was one of the big wigs at HBO, Carolyn Strauss, says, "No, you you we're gonna keep you're gonna keep her alive." So the big wig over outranked David Simon's word to keep her alive. And you know, the, whoever Carolyn Strauss was right because Kima would be, become one of the integral parts of the series throughout the course of the five seasons. Uh, so, but she was supposed to die um, in season one, and so was uh, Omar too. He was supposed to die. Uh, I forgot to mention that um, he wasn't supposed to last as long as he lasted uh, by by any stretch of imagination. So, but so if you're wondering, you know why you know she's on life support and you know it's kind of like wondering why you know were they keeping us you know kind of dramatic being playing it out it wasn't they wasn't playing it out like a soap opera she probably i mean she was came close to being that character came close to being killed so uh we saw that uh they had that too in the scene uh in the episode and also wanted to mention a scene that was powerful too that I didn't mention i should have mentioned it the scene where her girlfriend, Cheryl, is on the couch and she's rubbing the marker print that she let that Kima left earlier in the earlier in, during the season when she was doing the homework. Very, very powerful, well acted scene by the I don't know who plays the girl, shirt named Cheryl. I forgot the actress's name, but uh, that was a very powerful scene. Thinking about the consequences of the job thinking about the conversation they had at the bar last episode and knowing, you know, she, uh, Kima telling her, say, basically saying, I, you know, I know that you don't like it. I know that you don't like this line of work, but I love police work. And uh, so I, I forgot, thought I would mention that scene. That was, again, that was a well-acted scene by that, by that actress. And it only is about, it was about a minute long. It wasn't even, it barely 30 seconds, maybe 30 seconds to a minute as they're playing a song. Forgot the name of the song, some sugar in my bowl, and they're playing a the song, and she's thinking about uh, Kima 
who was uh, in the hospital on uh, life, basically on, you know, somewhat in critical condition. So, the again, episode ends with, again, with Hema um, being, uh, being in the hospital bed. Uh, a lot of, um, before we get to MVPs and the Chardin Award, just, this episode just showed you institutions, basically, you know, the police, the police institution and the criminal institution basically failing each other. And basically, when you think about like overall, you know, think about the episode overall, they both make mistakes that, that, you know, cripple their own selves. They both, they both had, they both couldn't get out their own way. Think of Stringer sending out, you know, with the, sending those guys out with the money and how, you know, how poor, how bad of a choice that was. Think of, you know, McNulty's choices and what he did and his, you know, dismissing bubbles, but also how he spoke to Levy and how, you know, and then, then also with the dope on the table, the, the raids and stuff like that. So just, just, and you saw, you saw institutions not being able, you saw both institutions, the criminal and the police not being able to get out of their own way over the course of, uh, of the episode. And kind of like, you know, the episode's called The Hunt. They're kind of like hunting, but they're kind of like just, you know, imagine being on a hunt and imagine you just loot, getting lost. Every, when you're on a hunt for something, you can't get out of your own way in, in, in life. And when you're trying to, when you're trying to um, have a goal to obtain and you just doing things to just constantly get in your own way. That's what it kind of was. Kind of was like during uh, this particular episode. MVP. I had a difficult time with the MVP. The, the Chardin Award for acting, I, I gave it to McNulty. I thought that he, in those hospital scenes, uh, the scenes with Rawls, the scenes where he was at the crime scene, even the scenes with when he was during the Levy with Levy and Pearlman, I thought he was tremendous in this in this episode. His acting his performance. So he got the Chardin Award for best uh, actor, uh, best performance. Um, MVP, I kind of had it split between, I didn't have a split. I had, yeah, I did have a split. I had a split between Freeman and Bubbles as MVP. Uh, you ready for mine or you got it? Yeah, uh, so MVP, I'm going to, I'm going to give to, uh, McNulty and Bubbles, um, for both of their scenes. They're, they are my MVPs. It's not close. Um, and then, uh, my, my just, I guess my, like, just kind of like under, like, just chill just chill actor performance. Um, a big part of me wants to give it to, since I did, since I did a dyad or, or two, I'm gonna give it to, um, to uh, 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 Carver and um, King's girlfriend for their scene outside the uh, yeah, that was a pad. Yeah, I forgot. That was a. That was a. That was a pad. They did a lot there. Did a lot. With little, a little. Yeah, very. Yeah, very cool stuff. No, it was the way that he changes from, um, 
you know, like there's not like a lot of words that's being used, but she's just like, Kima's at work. Like that first, it just like watching her cycle through all of the kind of like the different, like they just go from like, oh, I'm clueless to now I'm like devastated. Um, it actually never got to devastated. Um, yeah, watch that again. She, she, she no, I, I, that, I thought, no, I, she no, plays I, that off the, off the chart. I'm not saying that to you. Uh, she, she plays, she, she plays that off the charts because it's, it's, it's good. It's just, it's so, so good. And it, it never gets to, to the obvious level. Um, feels very human, very real, how somebody would react in a situation like that. And I just want to say a little bit about Carver. Um, again, uh, it just, it's just the subtle, it's the subtle little things. And it's just like, I love the fact that his character said, I'll go there. I mean, he character said, I'll do it. And then he's there. And then that kind of that, that awkwardness of when she first arrives, what to say to her till she gets to the door, you're watching his face like change, or not change, like go through that thought process of, I probably thought about what I was gonna say when I saw her a million times, now she's actually here and I've lost that completely. Now, what do I do? And you can see that on his face as he gathers himself. And the only thing that he says, of course, is, um, ah, does he even say a sentence or does he just say Kima? But he says very little, that's the point. He says very little, but it's in how he said it. That, that gives, um, gives uh, Cheryl, uh, not the actual name, the character's name, Cheryl, the breath to, to, to you know, her one word statement of Kina's at work. Um, yeah, he does when she says that when she says that Kima's at work, yeah. She, he shakes his he nods his head. He shakes his head. Yeah, I mean it's just yeah. Yep. It is yep. it is a well it, I mean yep. It, yep. both yep. both performances that damn thing. They did. It, it paid off. That was a yeah, both performances were great. And she like I said, both scenes that she was in. Again, two short scenes, she destroys both of them. Like, both of those scenes that she was in, she destroys. Um, which, you know, again, is the beauty of this show that even, even characters who are not major characters or, or characters who are recurring characters or characters who may only get a couple scenes in a season, they, those, those, they make those scenes pay off. Uh, even, even, they make those scenes pay off. So that, again, so that, that, that definitely, her performance definitely stood out. Uh, over the course, over the course of this episode, and getting two powerful scenes in it, and um, yeah, I can see why you had her. Uh, you can definitely see her why you had her for uh, acting performance, um, the best performance, uh, acting performance along with Carver in this uh, episode. So, again, um, it's been a great episode in terms of the fallout of uh, Kim being shot. Uh, and next week you have you will have a big episode, the penultimate episode of this series of the uh, first season. Remember this this season had thirteen episodes. Season four had thirteen episodes too. The other two seasons were twelve. Well, not twelve. Yeah, two two and three were twelve, and the last season was uh, ten episodes. But this, along with season four, was the longest season. But uh, again, you have a a major major episode coming up. Uh, 
next week uh, with title cleaning up. So looking forward to that. As always, thanks to Robert Seth for joining me, sir. All right, sir. You, you too. Take it easy. Later. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, The Wire Remix. Uh, I'm your host, Surreal Gerald Quinn. Uh, we will be putting this episode up later on this evening. Stay tuned for it. Enjoy the rest of your evening. So long.